Ruchim Aboyim, Hashem, Hashem, Berach, Ruchim, Beis Hashem, welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Um, once again, slipping. On the schedule, I have to give it during the afternoon due to Baruch Hashem, good things. Sorry, is Dilan Nishmas. Ham Baruch Ben Yudah Levi and Amelia Basara. We obviously don't need this week to st- start talking about the three weeks. We'll only begin that mention next week, where we will discuss. Ashivas Vitamas will be on Shabbos Habalina Lateva, not this week, the following week. Shabbos is only the tenth day of Tammuz. And as um, we'll discuss the halachas of Nidcha, etc., halachas of the three weeks, Havdalah, Mat Shabbos, etc., all next week in Meshem Balina Lateva. This week is Pasha's Chukas. Many times during Pasha's Chukas or throughout the Torah when we talk about Chukim we've come across the explanation or we've explained actually the explanation of Chukim Mishpatim and Eidos. And therefore, I'm not actually going to go into that again this week. We know the concept of Zeis Chukas This being the Chok of Paraduma is considered Zeis Chukas the Chok of the Tera. Chukas in itself talks the beginning of Chukas of the Teda and the famous story of the Teda Meish Rabbeinu dealing with the Meimeriva dealing with the waters as Miriam passes away Rashi explains and the water was in the Schus of Miriam with Hamerit therefore the waters the water which the Jews had for drinking in the desert had dissipated. The stone had returned to its amongst a bunch of stones and therefore there was no water. And the Yidin immediately started to cry to Mesha and a war almost broke out. And Akadosh Baruch Hu says to Mesha, 
Dabrila Sela. Take that staff, the famous staff that you've been using, and go speak to the stone. And we know the story. Radish tells us, Taylor tells us actually, Mesha approached the stone and the stone did not give out water. He was talking obviously to the wrong stone. He tapped the stone and he tapped it even harder. First time drops of water came out and then the water started to flow. Once the water started to flow, the Yidin were again reimbursed with water. However, HaKadosh Baruch was very, very disappointed with him. And I can't say angry on HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch was disappointed to the extent that HaKadosh Baruch tells Meshach because you did not sanctify my name in a way that you could have sanctified it beyond any kind of recognition. Your punishment is you will not go into the Holy Land of Israel. Extremely, extremely severe. To Mesha, in essence, so what? He knew that by not going to the Holy Land of Israel, his body would stay outside of Israel, but his soul would be back with God. What more could Moshe have wanted than to be connected to God and next to God again? So really, honestly, face value, we look at this and say, we say, come on Moshe, what really bothers you here? What's really disturbing you with this? They tell a story of a Yid that came into the Bismedish of Nachum Chernobyl. And he put out a spread. King's feast. He asked everybody, come, Chassidim, say, Lechayim. I'm making a Sudha Seido, the Rebbe has saved me. <laughs> Needless to say, although the Chassidim were not those that used to indulge generally in food, but the delicacies this fellow was serving was something not easy to pass up. And so, they gathered around, they washed their hands for bread, and they began to partake of this wonderful, wonderful meal. Then the Chassid said, let me tell you what this meal is all about. It's a Sudas Heido, a thank you meal, which I owe special thanks to your Rebbe. And the story is as follows. I had once set out to do business, to go to the market. And I took 400 rubles, a substantial amount of money, hoping to buy some good mitzvahs 
to turn over to make uh, a living by him I traveled and I came to an inn and the innkeeper was a from innkeeper and I went out to shul to mitiv whatever I came back there was a man sleeping in the other bed in my room come and practice looked like a from mid but when I got up in the morning he was gone he was gone suitcase was gone But I saw the pillow was sitting wrong. I went over to look, and there was a bag. Akiba Kuk was full of rubles. So, man, I forgot this. Mm-hmm. Let me leave it here. I don't want to get mixed in, I don't want to get trouble. And I left it. I came back in the evening, it was still there. The man did not come back and get it. At that time, I should have probably given it to the innkeeper. So let me wait till the next morning. I waited till the next morning, and at that point, the Yitzhahara got the better of me, and he said, listen, fellow's not coming back. I guess it's mine. And so I took his money and my money. I made tremendous deals. I became very, very wealthy. Things were going very well for me, money-wise, financially, family, my children, weddings, everything was very beautiful. Until one night, a man in white comes to me in the dream, and he grabs my hand, he starts to pull me. He's screaming at me, murderer, you're a murderer. was petrified then I woke up but I saw my hand was hurting me and there was a mark on my hand so what could this be and the man came back the next night and started to scream at me you're a murderer you killed me you took my money you ruined me financially you ruined my name, my reputation, because the money was not all mine. I had borrowed a lot of money. And because I had no money, I couldn't go buy anything in the marketplace. And because of that, I went financially bankrupt. And because I went financially bankrupt, my whole family was falling apart. And from the misery, I died. And now, I want you to die too. I woke up frightened. And he ran to Rabban Kalina. And he told Rabban Kalina the story, and Rabban Kalina thought it through, and he said to him, gave him a letter, take this to Reb Nacham Chernobyl, maybe he can help you. And so I came to the Chernobyl, and he took the letter to the window, and he was reading it, and reading it, and reading it. He says, you're not, you're, you're not, no, it's wrong. No, you're not, no. You don't get put to death. He has no right to claim that. The money? I don't see a full claim of the money either. After all, 
you put in half the money. You know what? If he comes to you again, tell him that this didn't happen in heaven. This happened on earth, and it entire has to be held here on earth. I will preside over it. Lo and behold, the next night he has a dream, and again the man comes to him, and again he says, Okay, I need to tell you that Nachim Chernobyl told me, tell you that this took place on earth, the dictator therefore needs to be held on earth, and Abnachim will be the love. Abnachim said, Fine! Sorry, I'm asking, I agree. And he went to Reb Nachum and he told him Nachum what happened. Nachum said, "Good, go back to your lodgings. I'll call you." Two days later, Reb Nachum sent a chassid to call this person, the storyteller, and he tells him, "Prepare yourself. Go to mikveh." Do tshuva, say tilim. Wow, the tailor is soon going to start. And Chassid went. He says he prepared himself the way the Nachum told him to. And he came to the Nachum, and he sat there, shivering, crying. He didn't know what to say. And Nachum opened the window and stood by the window. After a few moments, which felt like hours, which felt like years, sometimes you feel that when you're away from somebody that you care for very much, you just, every second is like, like, like years. And here in fear, it also has the same feeling. Emotionally, a person tends to lose track of time. And he sat there, crying. Rachim said, stop. Rachim says, this the Shama said, you caused him to die, therefore he wants you to die. You took his money, therefore he wants you to give all his money to his family. All your money to his family. But I don't hold like him. I don't hold like him. He lost his body? Could be. No reason to die from that. So in essence, it's not really, you're not culpable for that. As far as the money goes, I want you to tell me, here's a pen and paper, give me a calculation of what you're worth. He got a pen, paper, and he wrote it down, and wrote it down, and right away he came up with a number. Malachim said, half has to go to the widow. I told children. Because only half of his was invested. I'm not going back to the window. He came back and said, he wants something else besides, he wants another other compensation.
says Ibn Nachum, the amount of crying that you did here now in front of me was sufficient tshuva for what happened, for what transpired. It was enough repentance and therefore whatever else he's asking for is already done. You'll have to give half the money to his widow and to the children. And that's the case, the ruling. And after that, the man stopped coming to me in the dream. So the Chidim said, so the man said, said, Nochem saved my life. So I came here to thank him. We see, therefore, that when the person in this world doesn't complete their mission, doesn't feel that they follow through with what they needed to follow through in this world, then the Shema can't rest. Picture yourself in a state of yearning. Something that you're separated from that you can't bear it. It's tearing you apart. Your mind doesn't function. Your eyes can't see straight. You just can't. It doesn't work. This is how the neshama is not at rest. Cannot come to peace until all affairs are settled. Meshir Abinu's Neshama. Yes, it wanted to be connected with God. Yet it wanted to be one. It wanted to be one with God. But for Meshir Abinu's Neshama, for all the kedusha, for all the holiness that he amassed in this world, he could not elevate anything further as long as his neshama was not in his goof. He was not able to do the mitzvahs that were made for Eretz Yisrael. The mitzvahs that only in Eretz Yisrael the Yid can do. And therefore, he was just lost. He was just totally away from out of himself. How could he possibly not go into that Israel? So this therefore was a tremendous, tremendous pain for Meshur Avinu. As we spoke back in other the conversations that went back and forth and ensued between God and Meshur. Telling us how much Mesha wanted to let enter into the Holy Land. Let us go back to the actual story in the Torah. We are looking at the Pasha, the Pasuk of chapter 20, Pasuk 2, verse 2. 
Perichov Posig Beis. Belehoya Mayim Lo Eda says Rashi Why? Mikan from here we learn. Shekol Mem Shana Hoya Lehem Be'er Beschus Miriam. For the entire 40 years, there was a Be'er, a well, in the merit of Miriam. In this Pasha, though, we're going to talk about the passing of both Miriam and Aaron. And the immediate effect it had on Klal Yisrael directly connected to their passing. After Miriam passed away, as we said, the Be'er disappeared. There was no water. And after the passing of Aaron, the Anani HaKovit disappeared. And thank you very much. As soon as Amalek heard that the Anani HaKovit disappeared, they came once again to attack the Jews. Chazal tell us with this connection, if you keep the score at home, it's Gemara Tainis Daftesam and Aleph. Page 9, side 1. The Gemara tells us because the Ananiya Covid protected the Jews in the desert, and they were in the merit of Aaron. The Beramayim that went and traveled with the Jews. Every stop they made stopped with them, and every time they journeyed, journeyed with them, was in the merit of Miriam. And of course, the Mon was in the merit of Moshe Rabbeinu for 40 years. These three things the Mon, the Nanea Kovit, and the Be'er Miriam, Be'er Maim. Supplied three basic needs of the human being. The man was the food. Which, of course, food gives the blood supply and to, the, to the flesh of the body and gives the person live, lets the person, gives the person sustenance. Ananiak Covid. The clouds were protection. They protected the Jews from the outside. From the winds of the desert, from the elements, straightened out the roads, even washed their clothes and made sure the clothes grew with them. As the message tells us, the Be'er gave the water which ultimately gave them the fluids they needed for their bodies. Didn't feed them. Gave them a source. These three things exist in Tera as well. We have the concept of Tera 
that looking into Teda, take, becoming one with the Teda, becomes to the panemius of the person. And it feeds the soul. In Teda, there's a way of protecting the person from outside elements. And of course we know that with the strength of Teda, one can reach to any plateau at every item. When a Jew studies Teda, and they connect with the godly Chachma, this now goes and gets engraved in the person's mind, and in their heart, and it becomes one with them. Almost like an emotion that becomes one with the person. Or almost like food that gives comes one with the soul, with the body. And therefore, no two Jews are the same when it comes to learning Torah. There are those that can learn much more, grasp much more, deeper, while others need to lumber they need to work hard. They labor. And it doesn't get... Gra- they can't grasp it so well anyway. And this ultimately, each person to his own intelligence level. Although we know of many cases of people that were not of the higher IQ, shall we say, but because they applied themselves, because they gave themselves over life and soul, heart and soul, their minds were opened by God. But their essence didn't have that potential. Only through prayer, through devotion, through dedication, through showing God how important it was to the person, was the person able to accomplish this. Tate also has the strength to overcome all hardships of the world. No difference of any type of Jew. What he understands, what he doesn't understand. If one is tied to Tata and goes according to Das Tata, it can override and protect and help them from any given bayah, any, any given problem. And in this way, Tata's comparison to the Ananiah Kovit. which paves the way for the person, pushes away any kind of obstacles. The third thing that Hatera has, the school of Mayim, of water. Just like the nature of water is to go down from the highest of places to the lowest, and manages to reach any given place in between, same thing also, Tera comes down from the highest of high, the holy of holy, from God Almighty Himself who comes down Lamata Mata to the lowest of parts. In a way that every Jew 
can learn, can master in their own way. And therefore there's no Jew that says, I can't learn Tehra and understand it. On his own level, in his own way. Now, even though the Mon was in the Schus of Mesha, and the Ananim, the, cow, the clouds in the Schus of Aaron, and the Be'er in the Schus of Miriam, after the passing of Aaron and Miriam, they did come back. In Schus of Mesha, he brought back both the Be'er and the Ananim. Because Mesha, as a Mani Ka'om, as the leader of the nation, saw to it that he complied and supplied everything that his nation needed. This is the bottom line what a leader does. A leader of Kal Yisrael, a true leader, he concerns himself with every nuance that a person needs. And since each and every Jew has a spark of Meisha as it brought down in the Holy Tanya, Perik Membez, we learn that each and every person needs to make, needs to devote, needs to dedicate for the cloud. And needs to pay back and needs to reach out to help with all their problems. A Jew can't say, it's not my job, it's not my business. A Jew, every Jew, needs to see to it that they can help within their level, their fellow Jew within their capacity. Sometimes we go beyond our capacity. Sometimes we take under, we say, but nobody else can do it, nobody else wants to do it, nobody else is going to get involved, nobody else is going to help the person, the person is going to be sleeping on the bench in the street. This is sometimes not our line anymore. It's out of our reach. And we need to turn to others to help them, or we turn to others to help you help them, or others to help you understand how you can't help them. This morning's story came fresh off the press to me from, let us say, the horse's mouth. The Lord tells me this morning, <laughs> I see the person this morning, and he says to me, I have to go today, I think he said angiogram, but I think he meant EKG. I said, why? What happened? Then I realized he has very bad feet, and I knew he's been wanting to do knee replacement surgery. And so... That is obviously what he needed it for. He needed to go to the cardiologist, the cardiologist and get clearance prior to the surgery.
Okay. He said to him, I'll be honest with you, the new replacements make me nervous. They scare me. Too many people that I know had them and they look worse than they ever looked. So I mentioned one name that we both know. I asked, did you speak to him? Sorry, he says, yes I did. And he told me that he had his done by students, not by actual professors, not by actual doctors. And therefore, it was a catastrophe. Shocked. And did you... And I told him that somebody else that I knew that had it done twice and it didn't help either. And I know for sure that man did not go to students. Not what he says, but look at our other friend that we have. Baruch Hashem says he never felt so good in his life. He said, yeah, but he still tells me that steps are not so good. Steps are not the best friend. Up, down, either way. Now I can't take the pain anymore. Okay. I can't fight with him. He's older than me. And bigger. So he says to me, I wish there was a way that I could still ask the Rebbe. And the Rebbe give me the guidance of what to do. Now, I was shocked to hear that. Because... As Chassidim, we know very well you can go to the Rebbe and Shul, by the Rebbe's Bima, by the Rebbe's door, you can go to the Eil, you can go to so many different ways. You can open one of the Svarim, the Igris Kaidish of the Rebbe, in English, in Hebrew, in French, in so many different languages. And so often time, the Rebbe gives a bracha. So I was really untouched to hear him talk like that. Then he says, but, yeah, you know our friend such and such? He said, I said, sure. He was just here from Israel. And I met him in 770, he says. So, very nice. And he was talking to me and he said, out of the blue, with no reason or rhyme to tell this to me. That he recently saw a letter from the Rebbe Tavshin Yud Zayin or Tavshin Yud Ches, 57 or 58, where the Rebbe writes then yet that the need replacement has taken on a whole new level, and the Rebbe recommended to that person to have the need replacement done. This does not mean the Rebbe recommends to everybody need replacements be done. Perhaps you're listening to this shir and you hear that the question you've had which has been bothering you whether or not you should do it and you're saying, okay, now I heard it. Okay, that could be. But the shir is not to tell you, go out there, I don't advertise for any of these surgeons, um, I'm not a big fan of the knee replacement policy, it's extremely excruciatingly painful by the way. But with the rehab and with Hashem's blessing, it works. And so, he turns, he looks at me, and I look at him, 
said, did you just say that? Did you just tell me that the Rebbe told you, without you asking him, what you should do? Looks at me says, I guess. He said, fine, Amaisa. Shane Amaisa, I told him. Really nice of you. Um, time restraint of the shear. I'd like to go to the Sikha which we have spoken before, but it's a miss not to say it every time we learn Pasha's Kukas, every time we learn about the Paraduma. It's 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 just not correct. The Rambam, Maimonides, talks about the Paraduma. And Rambam writes as follows. Hilchus Paraduma, the end of Perigimel. You want to look it up Rambam. Yad HaChazaka. Our Pasha deals with Tommy, Smith, Tommy Mace, person that was impure, somebody met somebody that was dead, walking around. No. He touched a dead body, or was in the room with a dead body. And the Rambam brings out these halachas. And then the Rambam says the history of the mitzvah. The Rambam writes as follows: Teisha pares haduma is nasu mishtavu v'mitzvazu. From the time of when we were commanded to do the mitzvah paraduma, nine paradumas were brought, red kefirs were brought. Ad shecharav bayis mishniyah. The second bias was destroyed, and then Rambam goes to enumerate. Lee Shoyna, the first one, also Meish Rabbeinu. Meish Rabbeinu did. Shnia, the second Paraduma, also Ezra, Ezra Seifa did. Then from Ezra, Vesheva, and seven more, May Ezra, Atchur, Ben Abayis, not enumerating who did them, but there were seven more until the Baisamidash was destroyed, second Baisamidash. Then Rambam finishes the halach and says, Veha Asiris, and the tenth of the Paradumas will be brought, Yase HaMelech HaMashiach. The Melech HaMashiach will do it. And Rambam finishes off, Mehera Yigole Omein Kein Yehirotzin. May he be redeemed quickly, revealed quickly, and redeem us quickly. Amen. Can you show it should be? Rambam. Rambam in Sefer Yavah Hazaka talks 
only about halachas. Not only talks only about halachas, he does not mince his words. Rambam writes word for word according to what's needed. Rambam does not add extra words. Every word is accounted for. Then, as we say, by golly, why would the Rambam add a tefillah, a bakosha, a prayer, a request? And use the words in his Sefer Halachas, Meheira Yigole Omen Ken Yihirotsen. It's a beautiful tefillah, which he adds actually in other other svarim of his Pish Mishnayis in Igras Teman Igras Teman he does write it also he finishes off Meheri Yigole but the Omen Kenya Hiratsan I don't believe he says that perhaps he could say that Amun wanted to teach us that a Jew needs to constantly pray for Bias Mashiach that doesn't cut it Because this this thing that we need in tefillah to pray for the coming of Mashiach, to me write it where it talks about prayer, or talks about Mashiach. This is Mashiach. Not here. Sorry, Mashiach just happens to be mentioned. Right in a place where you're talking about Mashiach. So therefore it doesn't really fit. Elamai the Rambam wants to teach us a halach here. How deep does our yearning have to be? How deep May our feelings be that we should yearn, that we should just not be able to be without Mashiach. How much we need to daven for the coming of Mashiach. And also, when we talk about the Gula, it also comes, we're also talking about that. But we need to awaken that by each and every Jew. Their deepest emotions and yearnings until it comes to actually a Tvila Mehedo Yigola. May it be speedily. Speedily in our day, speedily in our time. It should happen already. In Hilchus Malachim, Perikid Aleph, Halacha Aleph, the Ramam says, Kol Mishen Amayimim Bey. Anyone who does not believe in Mashiach, 
someone who's not constantly waiting for his arrival, who kafir. He's a kafir, not Picatus, he's a heretic. In Tera's Meisha Urabe, Meisha Rabbeinu. In Tera and Meisha Rabbeinu. That's severe. Total heretic. In light of this, it's not enough to believe that Mashiach is coming. It's a total obligation. to await and to anticipate the arrival of Mashiach. The Ramam continues. Someone who believes in the coming of Mashiach. Does not yearn for him. He's lacking in Amunah. Because Emuna is an obligation to believe every second Mashiach is going to come. And this is a perpetual obligation. This doesn't have ifs, ands, and buts to it. And therefore, each and every Jew needs to live with this strong, strong yearning, hope and prayer, that he nay, he nay, Mashiach bo. And this also we daven for. Three times a day, we are hoping, we are praying, we are yearning for the arrival of the Gula at every second of the day. Thank you. This concept of yearning needs to be, shall we say, sorted out in the actual belief of Gula. A Jew knows we can't be complete without Mashiach coming. As long as the Gula has not come, we are not complete. We are missing something. Therefore, a person needs to be constantly yearning and striving and thrive and living the words and the thoughts of the coming of Mashiach. Where do we learn this in the Rambam? Halacha. When a Jew awaits the coming of Mashiach the way they're supposed to, when he mentions anything 
that it has to do with Mashiach? Just in the passing, ah, when Mashiach comes, it should immediately awaken within the person a tremendous yearning, a thirst to cry out and to call out at the time, May he already come. Amen. So it should be. It's not something that we can take lightly. <laughs> I've told this story before, but it always makes me laugh. It's about the draft to the Korean War or something. I don't know. And this one chassid didn't want to end up in the war in the army. So I'm not sure if this story took place after the Rebbe's Nesiyas, or right before the Rebbe's Nesiyas. Where people already knew him, made reference to him as the Ramash, the Friedrich Rebbe often sent people to him. person came to the Rebbe told him I need a bracha not to be drafted so looked at him and said alright, it'll be fine and he walked out walked out he that's not what I asked for I need the Rebbe to tell me what to do I need the Rebbe to tell me I'm not going to be drafted And he consulted with a fellow chassid. And the fellow chassid told him, <laughs> Mister, if you got into your chiddus, you had a private audience with the Rebbe, you should have seen to it that Rebbe guarantees you're not going to be drafted. Or tells you how to get out of it. He secured another visit with the Rebbe. The day before the draft. The day before he had to appear for the draft board. The Rebbe looks at him, and he tells the Rebbe, I need to really get out of this. The Rebbe says, how's your eyes? Oh, my eyes. <laughs> Look at the glasses I wear, Rebbe. Are you kidding? How's your blood pressure? Takes out a note. The doctor says, blood pressure is not very good. How's your back? Oh, another letter. From another doctor. Back's no good. I don't know how many more things the Rebbe asked him. Find the Rebbe asked him, How's your teeth? <laughs> Rebbe, I'll tell you the truth. My teeth? I never had a feeling in my life. My teeth are two-two-two. Top quality. No problem with my teeth. Tell him they have a problem with your teeth. But, but Rebbe, Achilles was over. He backs out. And the next morning early, he appears before the draft center, draft board. And they walk around, the whole bunch of people are walking around without shirts on, 
from one doctor to the next. And he's producing his papers faithfully, his back doctor and his blood pressure and his eyesight. And next, next, next. Finally, he finds himself in front of the mm-hmm. uniformed. Looked like the guy's in charge. And the Mr. in charge said, Mr. You're a fake. You're a fraud. Sorry. You're joining the army. And he says to him, but, 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 but my teeth. Your teeth. What about your teeth? I can my teeth. My teeth. Go down the hall. See the dentist. And I'm telling you right now. I'll see you back here in five minutes. You're going to the army, buddy. He's sitting. Shaking like a fish. And he comes into the dentist's office. The dentist is an older guy. And he's sitting there. Not a very pleasant demeanor. And he walks in and he says to him, My teeth! Dennis looks up at this guy with a beard and everything. Looks at the paperwork. It's a nice Yiddish name. You Jews. You think you're going to join the army? And then get free dental care, huh? You'll enjoy all the benefits of the army. And you'll never have to pay for a dentist again, right? Let me tell you, my friend. You're not pulling this over me. I despise your kind. You're a bunch of parasites. And immediately he took his stamp. Stamped the guy's papers. He's unfit for the army. Now you're not getting your dental benefits through the army. Get lost. <laughs> Needless to say, Chassid is like, story my mother Lashon used to tell. On the army base, there was a soldier. Every free moment, would roam the whole, the roam the, the grounds. He'd pick up every piece of paper, every scrap of paper from the floor. He'd read it both sides. He'd read it, scrutinize it, curse at it, and throw it on the floor. To say the least, this was a little strange. And they were starting to notice it. It became very noticeable. Every paper he picked up, he read it, he cursed it, threw it on the floor. Finally, they took sent to a psychiatrist, sent everybody. He's not fit to be in the army. No. Comes and gets called into the sergeant. The sergeant says, Yeah, I'm a shigana. We can't keep you in the army. He's sitting there with a very serious face. The sergeant hands him his discharge papers. 
they're being discharged from the army. And he reads the papers and he says, I found it! This is the paper I've been looking for. Now he needs to say this, Chassid found the paper. And he came running back to 770. And he said he wanted to go thank the Rebbe. Twice, three times, forget it. You could write a letter to the Rebbe saying that uh, everything's okay and thanking the Rebbe. Which he did. Later, Chassidim asked the Rebbe, that was an open miracle. Why? The Rebbe said, I'll tell you the truth. He came in the first time. And I told him everything's fine. He didn't have the Amunah Pshuta, the Amunah Tzadik. He didn't believe. He couldn't, it didn't work for him. And I saw this guy, I cannot convince, Bishom And although my father-in-law and the Tzemach Tzadik were adamantly against performing miracles, I saw the only way to save this guy and to make him believe in Hashem is by an open miracle. So I had no choice but to perform an open miracle. I... How we need to see open miracles. We need to see it this very Shabbos. Before Bullock comes onto the scene again. And we need to see the Geula Amitis Vashlema Yedei Mashiach Tzitkenu Meheira Yigole Amen Kein Yehi Ratzayin May we see ourselves this Shabbos in Yerushalayim Yerakadosh in the Beis Hamikdash Ashlishi on Harabayis Shabbat Shalom to all.